Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, Pastor Brandon will be talking about the urgency to awaken from our spiritual sleep so that we can walk in the light of Christ in a new way. Enjoy the message. There's just something about taking time to dive deep into the Word of God and to just pick it apart. God is... Romans has a lot of good stuff, and so I personally just nerd out during it, and so I'm not sure about you, but I have a lot of those nerd out moments. Um, And to kind of really, before we dive into this, I have an important question I want to ask you guys today, and this is a very vital question. This is probably the most vital question you're ever going to be asked in your entire life, and this question is, who in this room enjoys sleep? Raise your hand, make some noise online, drop a bad emoji if you want to. Make some noise if you enjoy sleep. Me, I, I, I love my sleep. And many of you guys in here, cough, cough, me too, um, we're lacking sleep. Some people aren't even sitting down in these chairs right now because um, the time has sprung forward. I've heard that there's a few different internet um, movements banding together so they can get rid of daylight savings. And so we're gonna see, we're gonna see what happens about that. Um, but just, you know, I enjoy sleep a lot, and I know my wife, Alyssa, enjoys sleep, but many times I cause her to uh, not sleep. Um, I feel bad for her, because essentially, when I sleep, she doesn't. Um, I can't tell you how often I hear, hey, Brandon, just so you know, um, I only got one hour of sleep last night, and I'm just like, wait, what, only one? Well, why? And she's like, well, you know, while you were sitting there snoring for a bit, um, you maybe, and may, you maybe smack me in the face with your elbow five times. It's no biggie. Um, or then she'll be like, you, you know, you're randomly scratching your hair like a maniac, like all night. I don't even have dandruff, but I guess I do that. Um, and then so thing about me is that like I straight up when I'm sleeping, I sleep like a rock. And I'm sure Alyssa would sleep like a rock um, if I didn't put her through what I put her through. Um, She has to basically sleep lightly to defend herself from me flailing my body everywhere. Um, While me, with me sleeping like a rock, you basically need to punch me in the face to wake me up. Like, you can, I literally have a hard of hearing alarm clock, which is basically many people who are, you know, more on the elderly side, they struggle to hear. I, I, it takes a lot to wake me up. So I'm, I sleep like a rock, but I kind of cause her not to sleep. And I feel really bad about that. Um, So some people get a lot of sleep. There's people who, you know, if you're a parent in here, maybe you have more of a newborn, and in your life currently, you're experiencing 10 times less sleep than you're used to, and I just want you to know, or maybe if you're somebody who works a little bit more, um, you know, late night sifts, maybe, you know, you're a graveyard sifter, um, I, if you're one of those people, I just want you to know how much I really, really feel for you, um, because some people, they just end up not being able to get as much sleep, and the thing about sleep is that it is obviously a very powerful thing because it helps us to recharge. It helps our body to get into the area in which it can actually function properly. And if you don't get sleep in your life, you can feel the difference. Um, You know, I I even know I'm losing an hour of sleep right now. Like, I'm feeling it. I'm not sure about you. Um, But it is a good thing that at least many people at least attempt to take part in. Well, so that is a sleep that many people take part in. There is a form of sleep that isn't good um, that many people take part in. It is a sleep that many people who claim to be Christ followers take part in. Or people who aren't even Christ followers, don't even believe in God, also take part in. And this type of sleep that I am referring to is a sleep that is something that's happening all across the world 
in so many different countries in, to, different, to different varying degrees, right? Um, but it isn't a good one. And this sleep, aside from you know, our physical sleep that we take, is a sleep that is called spiritual sleep. Everybody say spiritual, spiritual. sleep. What is this spiritual sleep that I am referring to? Spiritually, spiritual sleep could be described as basically two different things. And the first one is those who haven't accepted Christ. So if you're in this room, maybe you're viewing online, and you haven't, accept, you haven't made that declaration that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, um, you could say that in a way there's, there's, a, there's a part within you that just hasn't fully awoken yet. It hasn't seen truly the fulfillment that can come from believing in Christ. It, it's laying dormant, just waiting to explode. So that's the first one. Those people who, they're just, they're, they're, they're spiritually, the spiritual side of them is asleep. So that's the first type of spiritual sleep, those who haven't accepted Christ. The second type of spiritual sleep is those who claim to be Christian but don't live like it. That's a hard one. Maybe you're in this room or viewing online, and there was a time where in your life you were completely on fire for Jesus. Your actions, they lined up with what you claimed to believe. But what ended up occurring was, you know, you were on fire for a bit, but then the temptations of the world ended up luring you right back in. And this right here doesn't mean that you aren't saved. It doesn't mean, you know what? Darn it, I, I sinned, now I'm not going to heaven. That's not true. Um, that's not the thing that will make you not saved. It doesn't mean you're not saved, but you aren't taking part in everything that God has for you. And you have spiritually fallen back asleep. Maybe there's some of you in this room who are like this. You can relate to, you know, you can easily pinpoint the time. I remember there's this point in my life where I was so, so on fire for Christ. But now, it's more so just a name-only thing. Christ followers should be people that you can pluck out inside of a crowd. Ask yourself this right now. Are you able to be plucked out in a crowd? Or are you just camouflaged right in with everybody else and wherever you're living and going about your life? So two people who are spiritually asleep, those who haven't accepted Christ and those who claim to be Christian but don't live like it. And so before we even dive into the scriptures this morning, I just want to ask you this question. Are you spiritually asleep? Which one of those two questions do you line up with the most? Today, this morning, we're going to be seeing a call from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans to take a stand to awaken from sleep. One thing that we've been doing at Revolution Youth is right now we're doing a um, book series, um, a study in the book of Philippians, which is a letter from the Apostle Paul. And one of the, the terminology I've been using again and again is this idea to take a deep dive because it is so powerful to take a deep dive into the scriptures. So Kenosha City Church, are you guys ready to take a deep dive into the scriptures this morning? Awesome, let's go. So, our main focus this morning is going to be uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Um, but before we go into verse 11, we're going to take a look back and, um, you know, kind of go back a little bit um, to the verses before 11, verse 11. 
Um, we were originally going to talk, we talked a little bit about it, but then Pastor Andy, who did amazing about it, he talked about debatable issues uh, last week. And so just, you know, context is important when we're looking at scriptures, right? Um, it's better to get the context instead of just reading, you know, verse by verse. And so before we get into our main focus, we're going to kind of go a few verses back. We're going to go over to starting at verse 8, um, where the Apostle Paul makes declarations that godly love fulfills the law. Everybody say, godly love fulfills the law. You guys are doing great this morning. Awesome. So, um, verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another, loves another, has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So before the Apostle Paul, with these scriptures that we see right here, before he's even talking about awakening from our spiritual sleep, he is challenging the Romans with the call to love their neighbor and lets them know that love in itself fulfills the law. You know, there is an old, Old Testament law. Um, many, many of you guys have heard he listed some of the Ten Commandments right there. Um, and are you supposed to follow those commandments of you shall not murder? Are you supposed to follow those? Well, I mean, if you don't follow that one, you're probably going to end up in jail, which is never a good thing. Um, and two, yes, you should be following them. But before sitting there and, you know, you're sitting there, you know, taking your good Christian checklist, seeing how holy you are, being like, check, all right, I, I didn't, you know, steal. Oh, good, I didn't murder somebody this week. That's always good. Check. Instead of sitting there focusing about how holy you are, you're living, um, realize that loving other people sums it up, just as the Apostle Paul says. So with some of the stuff that we're about to dive into this morning, um, Consistently sit there, if you're ever getting confused by, man, this is a hard standard to live up to, sit there asking yourself, how am I loving other people? Because when you're loving other people in a Christ-like manner, so many of the other things of the hard, because living as a Christian, it's hard. There's many things that we're asked to do that are in our own human power we can't go and do. And it's only through, honestly, just the power of Christ that we can even sometimes live up to that standard. Um, but if you're sitting there loving other people and loving God, the other actions that we're called to um, go forth with, they eventually end up um, following alongside of us. Um, but now that we have that context of verse 8 through 11 out of the way, we're going to go ahead and hop into verse 11 of Romans chapter 13, starting with verses 11, uh, verses 11 through 12a. And it says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. If you're not awake, you're awake now. Wake. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. I asked you guys all earlier this morning, um, the question, are you spiritually asleep? This verse right here, it's saying that now is the time to wake up. 
This isn't one of those things where it's like, you know, oh, that just applies to the Romans. This also applies to us. If you haven't accepted Christ and, and you're in this room, at this moment in your life, what is stopping you from doing that? What's putting you off from making that decision? I've talked about before when I was up here that I've had um, some of my own struggles with faith and then God ended up being able to take me out of those. So if the reason that you haven't accepted Christ and you're in here is for some sort of random uh, science or proof reason, I would love to have a conversation with you. But aside from that, there isn't a reason to be putting it off. The time for salvation is now. If you're in this room and you haven't accepted Christ, this is the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart saying, hey, it's time. No more excuses. It's okay to just sit there and admit that you believe in me because I am real. And if you're a Christian and you're, and you're in this room in name only, this is the time to wake up and go to a higher standard. This is the time. The next part of verse 11, it says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And I just kind of want to bring some context to this because even like my first time reading this, I was like, this is slightly confusing. Just even the verbiage in itself is a slightly confusing, you know, passage. Um, because you can read that and you can think, man, well, it wasn't when I first believed, when I first, you know, said, Jesus Christ, I believe that you died, you rose in three days, that you died for my sins, etc. That was when I was saved, right? And the answer is yes. But the idea of salvation being near to us now, this isn't, um, and if you can bring up that verse again, that'd be awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, this idea of salvation being near to us now isn't speaking about the, the, the moment when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's speaking about the completion of salvation. Everybody say completion. He is addressing Christians who've already believed, and he is also referring to the future and final dimension of redemption. So he's referring to the time when Jesus comes back and we receive our glorified bodies as children of God. And so he, he is talking about the completion of salvation. But one thing that I can't help but get every single time I dive into the scripture is that this passage, it expresses an urgency. An urgency that the time to heed to God and obey him is now and to stop putting it off. The title of today's message is Time is Almost Up. Everybody say time is almost up. Wake up, church. When the Apostle Paul was writing his letters, um, quite often, not even just in the Book of Romans, but in many of his letters, one thing that you can't help but pick apart each and every single time is that there's an urgency to what he's writing. Obviously, the urgency is very clear in our scriptures in Romans today um, because he, he felt that it was very possible that Jesus Christ was going to come back in his lifetime. I can literally picture the Apostle Paul sitting there, possibly sweating, like as he's writing this letter, thinking, stop putting your faith off. Because he recognized at any moment that Jesus could come back. If the Apostle Paul had this heavy urgency that Jesus was going to come back, 
How much more should we be urgent with this feeling, church? From all those years ago, if he had this huge urgency, oh my goodness, what does that mean for us? We should be all the more urgent. And I'm not even trying to go, you know, conspiracy theory mode, saying that the rapture or something's going to happen tomorrow. But in my opinion, I see things such as, you know, say the Turkey earthquake, which we, we should all still be praying for because um, many people died and it was horrible. But I see those things and I begin to think to myself, you know, are those birth pains that Jesus spoke about in the book of Matthew? Is this what's happening? You know, that's where my own brain goes. Um, like I said, I'm not saying that the rapture is going to happen tomorrow. But what would it change in our lives if we lived like it was? What would it change if we lived with that same urgency that the Apostle Paul all those years ago had? And plus, this part is the part that always gets me. None of our lives are guaranteed. Like, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. It can literally end in a blink. Who in here in this room likes the rapper NF? Random question. Raise your hand. All right, NF. He has this one song where he's like, just in case my car goes off the highway or if the plane that I go on decides that it's my last day. And I'm like, fire song. But it's true. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. So we should live as if our time is almost up. To illustrate this idea of us not knowing how much time that we have left, do I have permission to tell you guys a pretty funny story that happened to me recently? Um, so a few weeks ago, back in the beginning of February, wait, I'm going to take a drink of my H2O because hydration is good. So there was something like really hilarious that happened um, when we went to Europe in the beginning of February. We were in the great country of, um, or city of London, and just really quick, I have never been out of the country before at this point. And so all this was like going to Europe on that mission trip was really epic on that exploratory mission trip. And then um, when I didn't know, realize that we were going to be doing as much walking as we were with our luggage. Um, I probably should have asked Pastor Andy instead of just assuming that, oh, we're going to have, I don't know, a random dude just take our bags for us. I guess I assumed that or something. Um, but I realized, wait, I, I had to have my little rolly, you know, luggage bag. And then my, I had to, like, wrap my, he, I'm telling you, heaping duffel bag over the luggage. And then I would have to roll it. And then so we, we left the London airport, and we're going to the train station. And really quick, I just want to say, Europe has some really good train systems. I wish we could take after it. It was fun. And, but then every 30 seconds, because of how darn big my duffel bag was, it would just fall over every single time without fail. And then so we were in the train station, you know, Alyssa, Andy, Sydney, everybody is like miles basically away from me. And then every 30 seconds, and I'm just like, gee willikers. And then so I keep doing it. And then at this point, we're at the train station, Alyssa, Andy, everybody, they're in the train. And I'm sitting there dropping my bag everywhere. And then so... I'm, and I'm thinking about this train is like when it was done and it closed, I'm telling you, it would close, and then the train would just, and it would go off. I think you know where this is going. And so I, I was rolling the bag. They were sitting there waiting. They're like, come on, come on, Brandon. You can do it. You can make it. And then the door closed on me. Andy's like mouthing, in his, mouthing to me. He's like, 
we'll wait for you. And Alyssa was just sitting there. She said I, like, had the biggest face of defeat ever. Well, I was just like. <laughs> so it closed on me, and then, then the train went flying away. And, you know, I, I didn't know where we were going at all. And so then the worker, he was like, hey, you're going to, and I'm not going to even try to do a British accent. He was like, hey, you're, you're, you're going to the airport, right? And I was like, no, we just left the airport. Then he was like, okay, where are you going? And I was like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and then in the most disappointed father voice ever, he was like, what do you mean you don't know where you're going? <laughs> and, and then I was like, I, I don't, then he literally was just like, just go on to the next train. And I, I luckily I got connected onto, <laughs> onto the Wi-Fi and the next train. I found out where I was going. I was literally lost in London. I was making jokes with them. I was like, I need to make a rap song called Lost in London. And it was, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that statement that that dude said to me of, what do you mean you don't know where you're going? That's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Church, do you know where you're going? Time is almost up. The time has come to wake up because you don't know how much time you have up until the moment that train door shuts and it goes off. Are you sitting there with your, with the thing, with your own drama and your own life, dealing with the luggage bag keep falling over? What does that look like for you in your own life? If time is almost up, if it really is, what should we do in response to this? The Apostle Paul answers this question, as we'll see as we continue the passage. In verses 12b uh, through 14, it says, So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Take in that verse for a second. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. With us not knowing how much time we have in our lives, in each of our lives, with the hour being now, we're called to be like Christ, to put him on. And the practical meaning of becoming like Christ can literally be essentially um, understood through imagery of putting on clothing. Um, one of my mentors, Pastor Stephen Jackson, he would always say, put on your Jesus jersey. You know what team you're representing as you're walking about. If you're seeing somebody wearing a Green Bay Packers jersey, you know they don't like a good team. And I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I'm a Colts fan, I'm sorry. Packers are way better than the Colts. But you know, you know who you're representing when you're walking out. And that's the exact same thing with Jesus Christ. We're putting him on, representing him wherever we're walking about. When you walk about, put on your Jesus jersey. And what this concept is that, that this verse is describing to us is a concept of a thing that's called Sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. 
putting on the Jesus jersey and going through the continuous lifelong process of growing in righteousness and becoming like Jesus. Jesus used this like example of um, this clothing figure speech several times throughout the New Testament. And I want to indicate really quickly, because this is where people can get confused, confused when you see things such as, you know, all the things that that verse just said, is that there's a difference between sanctification and justification. Justification is our declared and positional righteousness through Jesus. Through him and his glory, we are justified. Because it's not by our own works. It's not our, how great and holy we are, as earlier words we were talking about when we're sitting there um, trying to see, make the checklist of all the commands that we're following. It is because how amazing Jesus Christ is that we're justified and able to make it to heaven. Sanctification, as I already said, is growing in that righteousness and becoming more like Jesus. There is a holiness that you and I, as once you accept Christ, that we already have through Jesus, not because of us. And there's a holiness that we're pursuing as an act of worship towards him. The sanctification isn't what brings you to heaven. The justification through Jesus is, and I want to make sure that part's really clear. And you might be in this room thinking or viewing online, you might be thinking, man, you know, already after even reading verses such as all those things that I can't take part in and the you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're giving me a lot of um, focus and stress upon behavior. And the behaviors of how holy you are won't save you, as I said. It's an indicator that you've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 12.1, it says that we should never, everybody say never, stop offering our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God. We talked about that, you know, back when we were in the Roman uh, Empire's series when we went over Romans 12. This isn't about behavior modification and you becoming ever so holy. It's about worshiping God and putting on Jesus. When it comes to sanctification and you wonder where you're at, go back to how we started today. Ask yourself, how am I loving other people? Because many times, then the rest will fall with it. You can see passages like this in the Bible, and they're really hard. You see things, you, you might have been reading that verse, and there is things that it, it described, such as drunkenness, sexual immorality, and you're like, wait a second, that's me. It's hard. Instead of just being able to say, ha ha, I raised my hair for, pr- my, ha- my hair, I raised my hand for prayer that one time, I'm good. Us as Christ followers, we're being called to a higher standard. Paul is challenging us to walk properly and make no provision to the flesh, which isn't easy or else more people would be doing that. I have an important question for you all this morning. And this question can possibly be the indicator of why you aren't waking up, of why you've been a Christian in name only, but you're, but you're so attached to so many different possible sins in your life. And this question is simply, are you making excuses for your sin? Are you making excuses for your sin? The flesh wants to be gratified. We're talking about the flesh here. 
This idea of walking properly, like it's seen those verses in, in Romans, and it's like cowering away. It's like, no, no, these, these things that, oh, I've been loving it. You're trying to take this away from me? No. So instantly, what our flesh does is it tries to justify why our sin is okay, why it's okay to keep it in our life, to just be a Christian in name only, to keep our own patterns and how we've been living. It doesn't like this idea of getting uncomfortable and standing out for Jesus and putting on our Jesus jersey. The flesh does not like that. The flesh can cause you to read those passages and think, well, you listen, Pastor Brandon, listen. My sin, you know, it isn't that bad. I don't do sexual immorality as in like, you know, sleeping with five different people a week. Um, I only look at pornography here and there because it helps me to control myself from sleeping around. That isn't the sexual immorality that Paul was talking about. And contextually, yes, it is. Let me just throw that out there. You might be like, you know, I'm not getting high or drunk every night. And so me being riddled with so much jealousy and pride, it's okay. It's not like, um, it's okay if I do less sins, quote unquote, like that. You start to make excuses like that. But my friends, to each and every single one of you in here, sin is sin. Don't put your human standards of what, how good or how bad a sin is on what a God standard is. Sin is sin. So if you're in here and you're making excuses for your sin, I have one thing to say to you. It is time to wake up. God is calling you to walk higher into a higher standard and put on your Jesus jersey wherever you walk. This isn't to be works-based or to look so holy. It is, because as we said, it's the, the sanctification is a process and you're gonna be striving for it your entire life. We are justified through Christ. But we're called to wake up and make no provision to the flesh. And you know, when you're in those moments where you do fall, don't let, the, let there be a healthy conviction when you do fall into sin. There's a healthy conviction that can happen. Um, instead of sitting there mentally obliterating yourself, don't fall into the, that. That's when Satan um, tries to get to you. But sometimes you do need to sit in that conviction because it's healthy. Because it can cause you to not want to go back to it. And if you're in this room, and I've been sitting here talking about, you know, all these different sins and you might have this uncomfortability, I just want you to know that God can and will forgive you. You just need to give it to him. But just stop making excuses. It's daylight savings, so it's time to wake up, both physically and spiritually, as uncomfortable as it is. And if you're in this room, I want you to know that this standard that this entire time that I've been talking about that is so hard to live up to, I want you to know that that's the standard to make it to heaven. And that standard can only be given through Jesus Christ. And so I just want to throw this out there. If you're in this room, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he really did die on the cross in three days and rose for your sins so you could be redeemed. All those bad things that you've ever done, 
the worst things you have ever done, thanks to Jesus getting nail-pierced hands, you can receive an unlogical forgiveness. Because that's what God's forgiveness is. It is unlogical. And then for those of you who are in this room, who feel possibly a little bit convicted after what we've been talking about today, I want you to know that God has an unlogical forgiveness for you too. And to not sit there mentally obliterating yourself, but to just wake up. Let's be a church that wakes up and not be a church that sits there into the status quo of just saying, I did the prayer, I'm good to go. There's a higher standard for us. Are we gonna walk in it? Or are we just gonna be Christian in name only? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we, we praise you this morning. God, I thank you for how you spoke through the Apostle Paul in Romans. In this passage in particular, God, it, it's hard to read. Because I know the things that even in my own life that Satan literally like dangles in front of me as if it's like bait. And it's hard. But God, I pray that this can be a moment where we take a stand. God, help us to wake up and to stop making excuses. God, we, we worship you and we thank you that you can forgive us for the moments when we fail. If you're in this room and you've been sitting here hearing this sermon, like Pastor Brandon, this, I realize that I need to wake up. You, know, you talked about being Christian in name only, but I'm not even Christian. If you're in this room and you just want to make a declaration that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he rose from the dead and died for your sins, I'm just going to ask you, with nobody looking around, um, to just not even raise your hand, just quickly come up and take a look and glance at me, and I will be personally taking time and praying for you. Awesome. And for those who are in this room, God, who need to wake up, God, I ask for your strength. That this, they will be able to look years from now and to, to remember today and recognize this is the moment that they truly put on their Jesus jersey. Because time is almost up, God. We don't know when that door is going to close. So God, help us to walk in this sanctification. God, because we can't do this on our own. We really can't. And so God, we ask for your strength. And we praise you for your forgiveness. We praise you. In your glorious name. Amen. We are going to go ahead and head into a song of worship. If you've been woken up before, or if you just woke up, church, let's stand up and give God the praise that he deserves. Because he is worthy. It's not through our greatness. It is all through his. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church 
or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.